Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The SEC is the best there is in college football, and it's not really close. So who will be king of the hill this year? Also, what has led to the dominance the Braves have put together? And Josh Jacobs is not a running back you give a long-term deal to. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. For a very long time, Nick Saban has been the Wicked Witch of the West in the SEC. He has been the, the big bad of college football in a lot of ways. But Kirby Smart at Georgia has changed all of that in SEC media days. It tells the story a little bit of maybe a changing of the guard or at least a power dynamic shift in the SEC. Our pal Chris Gordy from Lockdown SEC was there. He, he got to talk to a lot of these coaches. And so he joins me now to talk about all of this. And, and Chris, I want to ask you about this dynamic because Georgia seems to be now they recruit at the same level as Alabama. They are now winning at a level that Alabama used to win at, but currently is not winning at. How much could you feel this, this dynamic shift at Media Days? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it started shifting last year. Um, you know, it, when you go back to the title game two years ago, when, you know, Alabama, Georgia's having this amazing season, and Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, mm-hmm. and then they meet again in the national championship, and Georgia wins the rematch. You know, that was kind of like, okay, Kirby finally broke through. Not only did he win a national championship, he slayed the giant, the giant Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, he beat Nick Saban, the man who, who <laughs> taught him. And then last year. Does that make Nick Saban Darth Vader in this scenario? Oh, oh definitely. Uh, and then last year for, you know, to, to see that, you know, Georgia again was the powerful, went undefeated in a ridiculous fashion. And Alabama stumbles with two losses with, the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, and Will Anderson Jr., you know, two top five picks in the draft. And they lose those guys, and all they could do, you know, the, all they could do was 10 and 2. Uh, yeah, you could feel it this week at SEC Media Days because all the talk is what's wrong with Alabama? They don't even know who their quarterback is. For the first time in about seven or eight years, this mm-hmm. close to the season, we don't know who Alabama's starting quarterback is. And talking to a lot of media members, they it sounds like they are not going to be the pick. Uh, by the media, at least, to win the West. The the preseason uh, ballot came out this week. Uh, we'll have um, the results here really soon. And it's sounding like, uh, overwhelmingly, the, the media are going to pick uh, LSU to win the West, Georgia win, to win the East, Georgia to win the SEC. And that's saying something that Alabama's not even, you know, going to be in the conversation, I guess, for a lot of people to be the favorite in the SEC West this year. Yeah, and it's interesting because if you're a college football fan, you know, it, there was a stretch where it felt like Alabama was inevitable. That it was just like, okay, well, what do we, everyone's playing for second place to Alabama. But now the SEC seems to be understanding Georgia is still awesome and, and really, really good. That there are these other teams, Brian Kelly at LSU, you have Florida, that program is, is working its way back. Texas and all this, all these programs seem to be competitive year in and year out. And so, how much of this is just the SEC rebalancing a little bit? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I mean, Tennessee broke through and, and had their 10 Tennessee, exactly, yeah. Year. Uh, there's that guy, Jimbo Fisher, who won a championship a couple of years back. I've heard of him. State. You know, he's at Texas A&M. They had a down year, but a lot of people are expecting them to bounce back. 
you can never count out that guy Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss and Oxford. Mm-hmm. He's always good for a eight nine you know win season. So yeah, there's there's a lot of dangerous teams out there. Uh, Kentucky, you know, they go and get Devin Leary from NC State and they improve their offensive line. I think Kentucky's going to sneak up on some people and don't give Hugh Freeze you know too much ammunition. Get let him get a couple recruiting classes under his belt and Auburn's going to be back in this picture. So yeah, it's um, there are some dangerous teams this year. But, uh, you know, look, it's just fascinating to watch Alabama and hearing some media members this, this week saying they think this Alabama could realistically lose three games this year. Again, for any other team, that's a good year. Uh, but for Alabama standards and what Nick Saban's created, that's a huge disappointment. And so, yeah, Kirby Smart is not just the king of the SEC right now. He's the king of all of college football. And it looks like Georgia's not slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, Liam Cohen back at Kentucky running running that offense. Um, and then, and then you have Lane Kiffin, apparently a, a reporter in the crowd saying that he looks like Lane Kiffin. They both get mistaken for Daniel Tosh. Are we, are we just spinning our wheels here? Is this just Georgia? Are we, are we trying to make this more complicated than it needs to be? I'd say yes, but keep in mind, Georgia was a, uh, a missed field goal, uh, as the clock struck midnight on new year's Eve from losing to Ohio state, yep. they were down double digits to Missouri. Yeah, it feels like this is going to be Georgia. But again, in the SEC, there's always pitfalls and there's always a dangerous spot. But if I had to bet right now, I would pick Georgia to go undefeated. Stay up to date all year on the SEC by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On SEC on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, just how dominant can these Atlanta Braves be? Before we answer that, the Cincinnati Bengals are honoring two all-time great franchise players. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount back in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the point total to who you think is going to hit the first home run. There are two teams with better than 10 to 1 odds to win the National League, according to FanDuel. The Braves have the shortest odds, plus 150, and the Dodgers are right behind them at 2 to 1. The defending NL champion Phillies are the next closest team. Their odds are 10 to 1 to win the National League. Of course, you can also combine multiple prop bets in a single game for a better payout with FanDuel's same game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Cincinnati Bengals announced two new members to the franchise's Ring of Honor on Thursday. Former quarterback Boomer Esiason and former wide receiver Chad Johnson will expand the Ring of Honor to eight. The Bengals are on just their third round of inductions. Esiason helped the Bengals win the AFC Championship in the 1988 season, was named the league's MVP, and is third in franchise history in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Johnson, also known as his iconic Ocho Cinco nickname, is Cincinnati's all-time leading receiver and made his mark with his touchdown celebrations over his 10 years with the Bengals that ended in 2011. The induction ceremony will take place during halftime of the September 25th game against the LA Rams. 
Minnesota Vikings rookie receiver Jordan Addison was cited Thursday morning for speed and reckless driving after an officer clocked him driving 140 on a freeway just outside of St. Paul. This according to an incident report from the Minnesota State Patrol. The number 23 pick in the 2023 NFL draft, Addison was not arrested, but the investigation into the incident is ongoing. According to the police report, a patrol officer was traveling eastbound on Interstate 94 just after 3 a.m. when they observed a driver in a Lamborghini SUV traveling 140 miles per hour in a 55 mile per hour zone. Related, the Vikings report to training camp on Sunday, at least the rookies. On the diamond, Corbin Burns shut out the Philadelphia Phillies for eight innings as the Brewers won the series. Hi everybody, Chuck Freeman here with Lockdown Brewers. We'll be coming up with an episode later on tonight. I guess we're all good with Corbin Burns. Another solid outing, going eight strong against the Phillies in a 4-0 win. Burnsy was throwing strikes, looking good. Can't trade this guy. I know some of you guys wanted to trade the guy and we're done with him. But man, man, he's motivated. And he's at a, at a great level, at a great spot right now. How about Uribe in the ninth inning? Walks the leadoff guy, strikes out the rest. And then uh, how about getting Bryce Harper? Getting Bryce Harper, who goes out there no gloves. Cocky Bryce Harper, after that stunt he pulled against Milner uh, the night before, gets Harper out on strikes, and the Brewers take two or three. Huge series with the Braves coming up. We're going to talk to reviewing the Brewers, Matt Carroll, coming up on the show. The Cincinnati Reds got a dominant performance on the mound as they split their four-game set with the San Francisco Giants. If you look up the word dominant in the dictionary, Andrew Abbott's going to be right there next to it. What's up? This is Jeff Carr from the Lockdown Reds podcast. Eight innings, no runs, three base runners total. Beautiful day at the ballpark for Abbott as he just dominated, shut down. The Giants couldn't do anything against him for those eight innings. And then the Reds scored five runs on top of that. Bottom of the lineup was all over the place. Absolutely loved to see them hit the ball the way they did. Will Benson, Luke Maley. Luke Maley with three hits on the day. Can you say hashtag two catchers? Because I can't. Uh, but yeah, it's it's all about Abbott because that was an absolutely beautiful performance. Really wish Derek Law would have preserved the shutout, but Wilmer Flores is just going to do what Wilmer Flores has done this entire series. Very happy to see him leave the ballpark. Can't wait to see what the Reds have in store for the Arizona Diamondbacks this weekend. Here is another story you need to know. In 2021, the Atlanta Braves were a surprise World Series team. In 2022, they won 100 games and then got upset in the Divisional Series. Now they're back in, I guess we could call it more familiar territory. They're currently the favorite, according to our friends at FanDuel, to win it all, and they just got a come-from-behind win against the D-backs, a 7-5 win on Thursday. Jake Mastriani from Locked On Braves joins me now. And Jake, how has this team been able to put together a team that seems to have this kind of staying power, despite understanding last year they did not finish what they started? Yeah, and that's always the tough thing in baseball. You know, it feels like it's not maybe always the best team. It's the team that's playing the best at the right time and that's healthy. And, you know, make no excuses. The Braves just weren't playing the best ball towards the end of last year and weren't as healthy. But And they're really not at this point either. They still have been without Max Fried, uh, who can't finish second in the Cy Young, you know, Cy Young vote last year. They're still waiting on him to return. But 
this lineup is so deep right now, and that's really how they've gotten it done, especially over this hot stretch the last two months or so. It's just up and down this lineup. Anybody can go deep. You look at Thursday's game in that comeback. You had Matt Olson hit a couple of home runs. Austin Riley hit a home run. He had a home run every game of that series. And then you got Ron Acuna Jr., and that's probably the biggest thing for the Braves this year. Last season, he was returning from that ACL injury, never was 100%. Now we're getting to see him back at full strength. And I think he's the best player outside of Otani in all of baseball. And so if you're going to put together a case for, okay, this team, I love to ask this question of our hosts. It didn't go the way that they wanted last year. You mentioned the injuries. So why is it different? Like what, what is different about this team? Understanding that a lot of the pieces are the same. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's just they're a little bit more deeper. They're a little bit more experienced. I think one thing you look at with this Braves team is a lot of these guys are still really young. They're in their mid-20s, late-20s. I mean, it's still a really young group. But, you know, ultimately it comes down to is the pitching going to be good enough? Is the starting pitching going to be good enough? You look at that NLDS last year. Look, the Phillies were just on an incredible run. They were a hot team. They won that series. But – Max Reed was coming off, you know, a, a huge illness where he was throwing up in the middle of his last start that he made before that. Spencer Strider was coming off an oblique and was not 100%. If the Rays are going to win the World Series this year, it really comes down to the starting pitching. Can they be healthy? Can they be at their best in the postseason? There's no doubt this offense has what it takes to get it done. But this season, it just feels like they've come into it with a much different mindset. Last year, really the last two years, it's been a sluggish start to the season. Last year, they had to erase a huge deficit to the Mets to come back and win that division. The year before that, it was an 88-win team that just was playing at the you know best baseball at the right time going into that postseason and ran all the way to a World Series. So, again, the pieces have always been there, but this team just feels like they wanted a little bit more. They obviously came up short last year, and it seems like they've just come back this year, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. Particularly with young teams, and we see this across sports, there's a difference between being, as you said, the 88-win team versus the 101-win team, right? The expectations are different. The target on your back is different. And baseball, maybe more than any other team sport, feels like there's a lot, like vibes really matter. Mm-hmm. So w- when you look at this team, do you think that there is part of this that is like, okay, they they understood last year what it was to be the hunted now they feel a little bit more comfortable in that position, and that's allowed them to take this next step? I think so. I, I think, and you're right, I think in baseball more than any other sport, it's about it's about the camaraderie, and it's a lot about the clubhouse connection. And I know a yeah. lot of people don't want to talk about that because you can't quantify it, but when you're with somebody for that long, you're playing that many games, it's not a 16, 18, I don't even know how many games they play in the NFL anymore, but you know, it's a longer schedule. You're with these guys all the time, and – and I'm sure every winning clubhouse says this, but these guys seem like they really do love each other. And it's more of a family type atmosphere and you're playing for each other. Look, there's guys sitting on the bench right now for the Braves that could probably start on other teams, but you don't see any of them hanging their head when they get their opportunity. They come in, they make an impact. And that's just truly what this Braves team has built. Stay up to date all year on the Atlanta Braves by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Braves on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, Josh Jacobs is not worth a long-term deal. The landscape in the NFL has been moving toward not paying running backs for years. Two more seemingly talented backs were added to the list of snubs when it comes to contracts in Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. 
Tyler Roland and Alex Clancy from Locked On NFL do not believe Jacobs deserves to be on the list of contract snubs. To me, we can have this conversation about running backs, but Josh Jacobs is not one of the running backs you pay if you pay running backs. You right. know what I mean? Like to me, Josh Jacobs shouldn't even be in the in this discussion when we talk about running backs not getting their just due and not getting what they're worth. Josh Jacobs had played 13 games his rookie season, had a good year. 1,150 yards and seven touchdowns. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good season. But after that, 15 games, only 1,000 yards. Did have 12 touchdowns, though, in 2020. Made the Pro Bowl a decent season. But 2021, 15 games, only 872 yards. The, the Raiders are not in a position with their roster to pay a running back who's been up and down. Like, this is an elite, elite running back production throughout his career. Yes, last year on 340 carries, yeah. I mean, that's 70 more than his second year in the league, which was his highest carry total to that point. So, 1,653 yards, 12 touchdowns last year, played all 17 games. But I'm sorry, Josh Jacobs has just not shown the versatility in his career. He hasn't shown the explosion in his career. He's a grinder who grinds it out with a bunch of carries. And I'm sorry, that kind of guy is going to wear down quicker. Like, Josh Jacobs is not the talent level of a Derrick Henry, a Christian McCaffrey, even a Saquon Barkley. The thing is, in a vacuum, there is no list of contract snubs. It just doesn't pay to pay running backs on second contracts, especially not at the top of the market. In fact, a pair of running backs that were paid at the top of the market in this past cycle this offseason took pay cuts, Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones. Dalvin Cook, who was also paid at the top of the market, was cut, not took a pay cut, was just flat out cut. This situation right now for running backs is just what it is. Teams are not going to pay for top of market players. And the irony here is there is still a middle class of running back contracts. Guys like Jamal Williams, David Montgomery, they're still getting paid on the open market because there's value there. What is happening is these players who believe they should be getting 10, 12, 15, 18, 20 million dollars are not getting paid. Now, whether or not that's fair is somewhat of a separate issue. But someone like Josh Jacobs, who's a very good running back, you can find another running back who provides you 75, 80% of what Josh Jacobs does. And you don't have to pay them 10, 12, $15 million. You can pay them $600,000. You can pay them 1.2 million. You can pay them $3 million, $4 million, $5 million. You can pay them a third of the price for 75, 80% of the productivity. So if you're wondering why running backs are getting squeezed out of the top end of the market, it's because the value, their open market value relative to the alternatives that these teams have just isn't there. And finally, one of the jesters of college football says the sport is a disaster right now. Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin does not like where the transfer portal and NIL have taken college football. That there's going to be some major issues, and we're creating free agency um, with the portal, and 
with NIL, um, you've got a lot of pay for play going on, and that is what it is. So, you know, those two things combining, there just is not a, a system uh, in place. And I don't think that there's any other sports at any level uh, that are like this. My favorite part of the Lane Kiffin media availability was a reporter asking him if Lane thought that he looked like Lane Kiffin because apparently the reporter gets Lane Kiffin all the time. And it turns out that Lane Kiffin likes to say, oh no, I'm not Lane Kiffin. I've heard that guy sucks. So at least he has a sense of humor about it. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Monday, what is the biggest training camp storyline to watch out for? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.